Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. If you want to get someone's attention, just tell them a great story. If you want to inspire someone, share your success story. And that's what this show is all about. I believe that successful women think differently. And by the end of this podcast, I hope you'll agree. In the spotlight, a woman who has always wanted the challenge of starting her own business. So she did. What does it take to be a successful entrepreneur in the male-dominated life sciences industry? Well, we'll find out. She's the CEO and the founder of Pharmalogics, located just outside of Boston, and she is paving the way for women in her field. Her name is Megan Driscoll, and this is her story. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so nice to see you here today. You started your company in 2003, having been a pharmaceutical rep for many years. Did you see a need and then decide you were going to fill it? And that was the creation of your company? How did it go? What I found very quickly in business was that I enjoyed the success of helping others become successful. So, so I was individually successful. I was able to manage someone. They became really successful really quickly. And I found that I was more excited about their wins than I was my own. So starting my business was really about an opportunity to grow and develop other people. That was kind of why I was born out from that desire to do more than just individually contribute. You started the company, gee, 15 years ago now, yeah, huh? Yeah, I know. It takes a lot of guts to start your own company because you were doing really well on your own and you kind of put a whole lot of work on your plate. Yeah, for sure. Um, my parents both were you know, incredibly disappointed that I was going to leave this very high paying job that I was very good at and potentially not ever in their mind make as much money or do as well as I had been doing. And that I was taking the current opportunity for granted is kind of how they put it. But I was recently married and he was an entrepreneur and he felt like it was the right thing for me. He was very supportive of it. So despite the fact that my parents and, you know, when you think about it, at that age, I was only 20 six years old, you know, at that time, you're very impressionable and the people that you go to first are your parents and, you know, your close loved ones. So it was like 50-50. I had half my loved ones saying no and half my loved ones saying yes. So I followed my heart, I think, which was my instinct to do. How important is it, though, as an entrepreneur to surround yourself with people who appreciate what your goal is and are going to come along with you and give you all the support that they can. Yeah, I'm a big fan of reaching out to mentors and, and sort of getting a mentorship, asking lots of questions. I've had many mentors. I have one in particular that's been fantastic. He's the current CEO of Winter Wyman, which is a, um, a pretty large staffing firm in Boston. And I met him when he was the CFO of that company. And how I met him was I actually called the owner and said, hey, I just started this company. I don't really know what I'm doing, would you have lunch with me? And he invited me in for lunch. He introduced me to Bob. And then Bob has been fantastic to me. I mean, he's nicer to me than anybody has ever been. You know what I mean? He, he does more for me than I require or need or have ever asked of him. He does it for free because he loves helping me and loves me. And so anyway, we've had this really fantastic like 15-year relationship. And now he comes out quarterly to my company and sort of gives us advice and has involved himself in much more than just my role, but in what my company is doing. So I think mentors don't get enough credit. And I think everyone should have a good mentor. You know, it's so interesting that you should talk about mentorship because it is something that it's freely given. It's a gift. It's a gift. Mentoring is a gift. 
and we'll talk a little bit more about your role models uh, in just a couple of minutes. But I wonder, can you paint us a picture of Pharmalogics? Who are you? What do you do? What is the service you provide? So we are the, I think we're probably one of the largest biopharmaceutical recruitment firms in the country in terms of pure play. So we, we are in a niche of biotech and pharma, sort of life sciences only. We service clients all over the world. We have an office in Basel, Switzerland. So about 30% of our business is overseas. The remaining 70% is in the U.S. in the traditional pharmaceutical hubs like California, New York, New Jersey, North Carolina, Boston, of course. And we have 90 employees today, probably up to 100 in the next like month or two. We are based in North Quincy, so right outside Boston. And we are innovative and different in that we do not supply recruitment in the traditional 25% per head way. We charge either a fixed fee or an hourly rate, and our average fee in our office is 13%, so we beat the market by about half. So what we're trying to do is provide services at a um, at a cost that's reasonable, that emphasizes the, the partnership of a relationship between a human resources department and their staffing counterpart. We want to feel like we're really part of their team, and so we've priced ourselves accordingly. Pharmalogics is experiencing incredible success all around the world. Congratulations. You've got something like a 95% repeat rate for for customers to come back to you. Yes, year after year. So one of the things that's helped us grow, like we've been on the um, Inc. 5000 fastest growing private companies for the last four years. We'll probably make it again this year. We just made the BBJs list this year for fastest growing 50. But we've done that in the past too. And I think the push or the reason why we have are seeing so much growth is that we're not just losing customers and need to replace them. We're keeping customers. So we're keeping customers happy for longer and bringing on new customers. So that's really what's driving our growth. If anything, it's hard to keep up with. It's hard to keep up with the amount of work. We've been in a situation where too much work, not enough people to do the work. So that's a good problem to have. It's a problem, but it's a good problem to have. Take me back to those first few days or the first few weeks or months of Pharmalogics and you're standing there going, oh my God, can I do this? Or did it take off right away? No, it did not take off right away. What I would say about the early days of Pharmalogics is that I'd love to live my life in the rearview mirror. I'd love to be able to go back and do it again, knowing what I know now. I found it to be uh, a lot of work, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of questioning whether I made the right decision, a lot of problems, a lot of missteps, a lot of mistakes that I made because I didn't know any better. And it was not easy. So the first, I would say, like, from about 2003 till about 2010 were rocky road. And then, of course, the 2008 recession almost put us out of business. So, you know, between those two periods of times, I would say, like, any, any month you could be like, we might not be here next week. I don't know. And then since 2010, things have really kind of shifted and, and, and gone into high gear and have really been put together. But I always tell people, running a company of less than 30 people is the hardest because you are everything to everybody all of the time. And then when you reach this critical mass, you can start hiring supplementary support. So you, so you can get some financial support. You can get some human resources support. You can get some administrative support. So everything is just harder when it's smaller, you know, and there's so much more pressure on the owner to deliver to not only their clients, but to their employees, to themselves, to their families. There's a lot of demands on your time. You have a mission statement. Tell us what it is. It's to be the number one biopharmaceutical recruiting company in the world by placing top talent at companies that improve and save lives. 
And that's really important to me because we added the second part onto that because our model could lend itself to any other industry. We could place people accountants or, you know, whatever for lower fees and, you know, probably do really well in that space. In fact, I know we would. But it's really important to me that we're doing something sort of with a greater mission in mind. I really get up in the morning. I get excited about Pharmalogics because of the, the clients and the work that they're doing. So we're working on the cutting edge of science. We have clients that have produced CF drugs that are changing people's lives. We have immunotherapies on the market that are scientists that have placed there have developed. So we feel good about you know the work that we're doing. We're not just finding someone a job, which is in and of itself a, a sort of nice thing to do, right? There's a lot of good feelings about finding someone their next opportunity, but we're also doing it in such a space that's making this enormous impact on sort of the world in general. What does leadership mean to you? What kind of leader do you try to be? I think that my idea of leadership has probably changed over the years, but my current view of leadership is your ability to hire people whom are better, smarter than you, and whom you encourage to surpass the expectations that you've had for yourself, and that you feel as though you've done a good job when they are doing the work that you used to do better than you were doing it. So that's my my current view of leadership, is to create a group of people who really don't need me. And in fact, when I look around and think, that was a better idea. <laughs> that was better executed than I would have done. You're kind of the sum of your parts. Absolutely. We're no better than the one thing about where Pharmalogics is today, I think, with 100 people working there is that, you know, it's so much bigger than me. You know, I, I could, I, God forbid, get hit by a bus tomorrow and the company would be fine. I mean, you know, I hope they'd say nice things about me and come to my funeral and whatever else. But, you know, they, they would they would go on and they would be just fine. And so the you want that to be for the leader, but then you want that to be for second level management, too. So the next step is to make sure that if our second level leaders were no, to no longer be at Pharmalogics, that the company would do just as well without them. That's the passing on of leadership. That's when you have a strong sort of culture of leadership. Speaking of culture, describe to me the culture oh, of it's Pharmalogics. Awesome. Tell me. The thing about Pharmalogics. 2012, I lost my dad to um, to brain cancer, which was this horrible disease. And he he lived nine months and or it was just bad. And I kind of came out of that experience by feeling like, we were going to focus on culture if it killed us, really. And that, like, if it doesn't make you happy, don't do it. That, you know, you you can build a company that not only is a, got a work hard sort of mentality and you get stuff done, but you can also do it in a fun way. You know, we have workout classes that we offer, boot camps that everybody does together. I sweat with everybody on Thursdays. We do yoga. We offer all kinds of just, like, fun food every single week, and we support local farms. We do a lot of philanthropic work. We support Germantown in, in Quincy. So we do a lot of stuff throughout the throughout the year. We have birthday parties every month. We have a ping pong table that people gather by and drink beers on at four o'clock pretty much any day. I mean, it's not just Fridays, but it's a very... Can li- I work there? I know. It's a very <laughs> fun, really young office, which helps me because I feel like I have to keep up my clothing mojo a little bit because all these young women run around looking so absolutely adorable. But it's a very casual office too, so you don't have to dress up to come to work. You can wear yoga pants, quite frankly, if that's what makes you happy. It's just a come as you are, be who you are. We really encourage people to be themselves. We're not trying to create a carbon copy recruiter that says all the same things the same way every day. We want people to come with themselves and we want them to share their light. And we mean share their light not only to their clients and the candidates they work with, but within their cube setting within the larger organization. And we have a heavy, heavy emphasis on gratitude. So we have a gratitude board um, up and you can't take your name down unless you put someone else's name up. So we talk about gratitude every Monday at our sort of, we have a big company-wide bullpen meeting. First thing we start off with is, is uh, someone talking about what they're grateful for. And so I think that we, we've just incorporated things that I know are sort of bigger than business, but really important. And I think that for the age of the 
of the people that work for me, I think seeing and experiencing this kind of environment, it will allow them to bring it, if they leave PharmaLogics, to other environments, you know, as they grow up into the world. It's a fun place to be. That's what I'd say. You know, you had mentioned losing your dad and watching him leave this world in nine months. And I can only imagine what that was like. What did he teach you? What, what I loved about him, and, and I think he was like my person, you know, the person that you'd call every single day, and his advice was fantastic. But what I really loved about his advice for me was he always said, slow down and think things through. And for me, that's really important because I tend to move You've really You've got quickly. a lot of energy. Yeah, I have a lot of energy, and, I, and when I'm focused on something, I'm really focused on it. And sometimes to the detriment of the warning signs, you know, that are like, stop, not the direction you should be going. You're going too far and too fast. So that was always really good advice, and it was one of the last things he coherently said to me, too. So I, I remember that. And he's always – the other thing about my dad, too, and what I hope I can do for not only the people that work for me, but also my children, of course – is to just be their biggest supporter. I, he was my biggest, you know, cheerleader. I mean, I think everybody needs a everybody needs a cheerleader. You are listening to the story behind her success in the spotlight, entrepreneur, and I would call her a trailblazer, Megan Driscoll, CEO and founder of PharmaLogics, the first and only company of its kind to offer hiring solutions to the life science industry. Since you are in the business of recruiting, I thought I'd ask you a couple of questions since I'm going to guess that a lot of our listeners might be looking for a job right now, and I'm thinking you might have some good advice. Top three things to do in preparation for a job interview. Do your homework. So make sure you really understand the company, the mission. Don't just go to the website but spend a little bit more time understanding what the stock price is, if it's changed, looking up their pipeline with regard to what what drugs they have in the market, what's coming up, what's next. Number two, network prior to the interview. So you want to make sure you're reaching out to anybody who knows anybody who works there, sending out LinkedIn connections to them ahead of those meetings. And then look up every individual on your interview panel. You want to make sure you understand where they go to school. Is there any commonality that you can find between yourself and that person? And then you'll be able to use that in the interview which will set up for this congenial sort of relationship with a person that you don't know. And ultimately, interviews are all about the personality of the thing, really. I mean, they're assessing you technically, but they're really looking at socially. Are you going to fit into their department? Do they like you? You know, Do they want to spend any time with you? And so the, the more you can learn about someone else before you get in there, the better that relationship, with the, sort of the, be, the beginning of the relationship starts in the interview process, which is awesome. So those are my top three things. Three things not to do. Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of Tech Help Boston, with the reasons why. It's really about forging a relationship and having a trusting relationship because your technology is very personal to you. It used to be in the old days that things were private. When you're online, nothing is private anymore. And we want to make sure that that information is kept confidential and with somebody that you trust and you feel comfortable with. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit techhelpboston.com. That's techhelpboston.com. Do not take it for granted 
that you have been invited in. Take every interview seriously. Some people think, oh, I've got five interviews. I can kind of, one or two of them doesn't really matter. Go in every interview like guns a-blazing. The other thing is make sure that you don't speak negatively about your current employer, previous employer, previous employees. Always spin something into a positive because it never works. And they will trap you. They will trap you. The other thing is be be aware and ready to answer behavioral-based interview questions as opposed to creating sort of canned. Don't come in with canned responses, but come in thinking about how you can describe your experience and with great detail. People get tripped up on those kinds of things. How does an employer know that they've made the right hire? Is it intuition? Is it just that feeling this person can fit in, like you said, with, with our culture, our environment? You know, unfortunately, I think we do the best we can with our interview process, both for us hiring and for our clients who hire. And they do behavioral-based interviewing, which is basically that past is a predictor of future, which quite frankly is kind of sad. It, it sort of assumes that people never change, which I hate thinking that. I think everybody has the opportunity to change their behavior. But I would say that in general, Sometimes you know, and sometimes you don't. But the great thing about it, the industry that we're in with regard to biotech is that so much of the work is related on the technical skill. So as long as they can perform the job, we don't see a lot of quick turnover in biopharma. People stay within those jobs for a few years. It takes a while to even get up to speed necessarily. So, you know, I do think that you do know, like I've met people where I felt really connected to them, but I have to say I've met people that I felt very disconnected who've come and have become fantastic. So I think your initial intu- intuition can sometimes be a little bit overrated in the interview setting because everybody comes to the interview with a different sort of circumstance going on behind the scenes. And once you get to know somebody, usually when I know somebody, they've worked for me for like a week, then I know. I can tell within a week. Pay equality. Me too. Time's up. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so wage transparency. So we're huge on that. We actually show our salaries within our organization for the main point to say that if Max is earning $60,000 as a project specialist, Sarah earns $60,000 as a project specialist too. So we have a one-to-one, dollar-to-dollar, male-female. I'm really a huge supporter of sort of equality, gender equality within the workplace, equality in general. Um, It dawned on me the first year that I made the Inc. 5000 list where there were only 800 female own CEOs on that list of 5,000. That number has only ever gone up like a half a percent in the last five years. That's pretty upsetting. I mean, that means like we're talking like 21, 75, maybe at that rate, women will get to 50% CEO ship within the Inc. 5,000 fastest private companies. That was pretty upsetting to me. So after I kind of went to that, I sort of focused on sort of a do it for your daughter social media campaign, just sort of raising awareness. What we've decided just at Pharmalogics is as opposed to producing content on our media that talks about our company or how well we're doing, we focus exclusively on sort of women in leadership and women gender issues. We're actually going to launch a new website in the next couple of weeks. It's called Wage Transparency. And it's to really get people starting the conversation about how do we equal that playing field, right? So in Boston, it's, I think, white women earn 76 on the dollar to the white male. And I think it's um, African-American women earn like 58 cents to the dollar. Totally unacceptable. And so how do we change that, right? And wage transparency is really the only way to do it. Because if Sarah knows that Max is earning more money, Sarah is not going to stand for that. So Sarah's going to ask for a raise. And how do we find that out? We find that out by companies being willing to be transparent in their pay and by employees being willing to ask to see that wage transparency. 
So that's my next sort of endeavor, if you will. What about, uh, you know, issues like sexual harassment in the workplace and, and pop, uh, proper reporting procedures in place? Is this something that you can talk about for Pharmalogics? Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't had any issues. That, and again, we're a female-run, owned company with the majority of our staff is, I would say not majority, but it's definitely 60-40 women, more women on our management team than men. It's just worked out that way. There's no bias, uh, mm-hmm. implicit bias on the other side. It just is what it is at our company. I'm doing a talk later this week at the American Women in Science event in Boston, and we're, we're talking a lot about this in particular. Mm-hmm. I want young women to do what we didn't have the guts to do. That's right. Because I have been in so many situations in business in a male-dominated industry where I have let things slide. I have allowed myself to be I don't want to say I have allowed, I have allowed myself to be spoken to in certain ways. I have not spoken up when something was done that was inappropriate, clearly. I've been inappropriately um, hit on in a meeting with a VP of Global Human Resources for a very large pharmaceutical company, and I didn't say anything. So many times I look back on my career and think, I should have stood up for myself then, you know, and I should have done that for the women that and are coming And that's up the behind. message for this next generation. Hashtag message. do it for your daughters. Do it now. Do it for them. Start now. Don't do what we did before. Do what, do what you need to do now. Demand respect. Demand equality. Demand that you be treated just like anyone else, regardless of their skin color or their race, you know, their race or their gender or their sexual orientation or their religious beliefs. You know, everyone is equal, but demand that. And so I'm, uh, I'm hoping that that's the legacy that we leave is just empowering women to do more than we've done in the past and not to be afraid to stand up to someone and say, listen, the way that you're talking right now around me is completely unacceptable. That's it. That's all you need to say. That person won't do that again. You won the 2015 Stevie Award as Entrepreneur of the Year. Yeah. How did that feel? Go back to that moment. You got a big smile on your face. It was really fun. It was fun. We got to go to New York City, which was kind of fun. I took my husband. We stayed in Times Square. And the trophy actually looks like a Golden Globe. (laughs) So it's like really big and shiny. Here's my Golden Globe. I brought it home, right? Exactly. So it was it was a very fun week and it was nice to be honored. It's all it's always nice to be honored. I mean, we the company wins a lot of awards and accolades now. And and most of that is doesn't have anything to do with me. It has to just do with the lifeblood of the company and how well they're doing. But it was a very it was a very fun night. What has been the biggest lesson for you in this whole journey so far? For me, I feel as though I really appreciate the difficult parts of my life, the harder moments in both starting my company and in my personal life. I really credit those to the sense of resiliency that I feel I have now. You know, I I never gave up at times when I considered giving up. So there were multiple times throughout my life where I felt like I shouldn't do this anymore. I'm going to I'm going to close the company. This is ridiculous. This is too much. It's too much strain on everybody. I can't. And and I've had multiple of those. And and I didn't. And I found a way to sort of dig in, work a little harder, and kind of get through it. And with the support and help of other people, including my very supportive husband, you know, I think all of those experiences helped me today feel like I could conquer anything. Like at this point, at 42, I'm turning 43 next month. I really feel like whatever my future holds for me, I even if it is going to be hard, that I'll be able to get through it. And it's only because I didn't quit or give up earlier in my life. So I think resiliency is a muscle. I feel like I've flexed it a lot. And I feel like it's now really strong and it will serve me for the next 40 years of my life. Entrepreneurship, I think, requires an incredible amount of fearlessness. 
in the face of people, some saying, yes, you can do this, and some saying, what the heck are you doing out there? What do you say to a young entrepreneur who's listening to our interview now, who's got an idea, and she just hasn't been able to take that step? What do you say to her? Yeah, I would say go for it. I think that if you have a great idea, most of the issue is in the execution of the idea. And that's where people fall down. And that's where the little head, little mind, and little voice in the head says, you're never going to be good at this. You totally stink. You're awful. You're never going to get this done. This is terrible. This is too much hard work. And if you listen to that voice, you won't execute it. You'll have this great idea that goes nowhere. So shut that voice down. I, I'm a really huge believer in, in meditation. I meditate every day. It's my time to close off that voice and listen to my inner voice, which you always can recognize because it only tells you beautiful things. Um, <laughs> but really tapping into that and being able to shut down that voice in your head that's speaking negatively to you. Because not only are you going to get external dissuasion, right? People telling you you can't do it. You're also going to tell yourself that you can't do it. And it executes execute flawlessly. If you can just get through the execution of that idea, either it's a prototype or the launch of one client or, you know, whatever it is, if you can just do one, again, it will, it's like a muscle and you'll get, you'll be like, oh my God, I did this. And then that breeds success. Little successes breed larger successes. So build on the stuff you're doing well. You know, my mother used to say, just keep on walking. Yep. Even if you're crying. Totally. Just keep on walking. Right. Don't stop. Don't stop. Great when advice. an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? I like to analyze. I'm a kind of a thinker about things. I often create problems in my head that don't exist. And I do that such that I can pre-plan my way around them. If I get a surprise problem, I usually stop to think about what are the possible outcomes. I'm a really outcome person. So I'll look at it from a bunch of different angles and I'll try to figure out, all right, if I take a right, where will that take me? If I take a left, where will that take me? If I do nothing, what if I just do nothing? Sometimes doing nothing is the best option. And if I do something, what is going to result in that? So I'm a, I'm, I analyze things like that. But I often also, like, I can be like the naysayer and not in a bad way, but a, hey, these are all the things that could happen and go wrong. Let's talk about how we're going to handle those before they go wrong. If they don't go wrong, awesome. But if they do go wrong, we'll already have started the process of thinking about it. Like, for example, this is sort of seems sort of morbid, but I did a little mini, I get hit by a bus and I'm dead. What do you all do? Meeting. I wore black. Everybody came. And I said, I'm not here. What are you all going to do? And they would interact with me and said, no, no, no. I'm literally in the ground. I'm not here. Have the conversation. This is what this is the day after. What are you all doing? But it was, you know, again, like, I'm not going anywhere. They were like, are you sick? Are you trying to tell us something? No, 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 I'm not sick. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to die. But I'm planning for that. You know, like you, it, it seems silly, but I, I do plan. I plan for things that aren't, oh, we aren't aware of yet. You have shared with us that you're a mom. Yes. How did becoming a mother change you? Well, I say the pharmacologics is my first child because I had it before I had kids. My first child was Madeline, and then I had Bailey. And so Madeline has just turned 13, and my son is 9, and he'll be 10 this summer. I think you can be an awesome woman and not have children. Let's put it that way. And you can find amazing outlets for that energy. For me, I have so been humbled by being a mom. And I think that's helped my business, actually, because I think an entrepreneur without that sort of taming, you know, where someone throws up all over you or your three year old like whacks you in the face at a meeting like, you know what? You're not that big of a deal. Guess what? You're still just the mother of a three year old who's going to hit you with a block. You know, I, I think it's been a very humbling experience. And I find that it keeps me 
really centered on what's important, you know, and I don't get too sucked into work all the time because they need me. And I recognize that for me, it's been a really nice thing. It's not required to be a fantastic woman is not required to be a mom. For me, it's been really helpful, I think, in keeping me grounded and focused on the right things. At the end of the day, what matters the most to you? I want to feel like everyone that I have an interaction with feels that it was positive. So I want someone walking away from me better off than they came to me. So they may come with a problem and I'm helping them solve it. They may come with something really exciting that they want to tell me and I amplify it. They may come to me with something that's annoying and I try to make it not annoying. That's what my goal is at work and at home is to make sure that people are better off for spending time with me. I fail at that often. And that's not always a success, but it is on my mind at the end of every day. Did I, you know, did I do it more today than I did it yesterday? You just mentioned the word success. And here's the show, the story behind her success. How do you measure success right here, right now at this phase in your life? Success for me is about today is about being more balanced in my life. So I feel like I am finally successfully managing everything well. And I feel like my home life's in a really good place. I feel like my business is in a really good place. I feel like my relationships with my children are a good place and my family, my extended family. I feel much more grounded. Now, some of that could be that I'm in my 40s and I heard that the water's great, get on in, and it's true. And some of that is the where the my company is right now, the stage that it's in. But for me, making sure that everybody feels like they're getting enough of me and that I feel like I'm getting enough of them. And that, to me, is success for me today. And that is working right now. I mean, and you know, five years ago, I would say we had unbalanced and I feel like we're balanced. I wanna say thank you so much. Megan Driscoll, CEO and founder of Pharmalogics. Thanks so much for being on our show. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. This is a new series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. Connect with Candy anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?